What we do here is go back, 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 back. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Bang, we're in. (laughs) We're not going to have any fanfare. We're just going to kind of go. This is a uh, an interesting one um, for an interview because I am with Rob Whitaker. We are in Battery Park City, downtown Manhattan, way downtown, across from the ferry. Oh, here we go. We got tech support here. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We're not even going to cut for this. We're going to just, in the spirit of all of the uh, the rawness and the honesty and the uh, giving you guys the mistakes. Oh, that's the other thing is I speak to an imaginary audience that I think is listening. I got you. Um, which you will relate to given your writing, which we're going to get into in a second. Hang on. I'm going to. Plug this in. Um, uh, so I'm here with Rob Whitaker. We're at Source Media. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what Rob does, which um, the way we uh, came about is uh, my sister-in-law has told me about Rob. Um, I think maybe I kind of heard your story like a couple yeah, years ago. And then the other day... Uh, we were at my in-laws' house, and she said, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta hear uh, my friend Rob's writing. He does these blogs, and I'm I'm just gonna, without even letting you talk for two seconds, I'm gonna <laughs> okay. read something that Rob wrote. And this is the reason that I said I literally immediately said to my sister-in-law, "Can you text him right now? Is there a way I can interview him? Because this dude is awesome." So this is called a. This is titled. Apparently, I just found out this is from. Um, uh, a couple of years ago. Is that right? Or yeah, that's, this is, yeah. I didn't know that, but it's, it's, it's called a long overdue Rob's C note. There's a quote from Mark Twain. And then his first thing says, I'm guessing you were just starting to get the thoughts of my colon out of your mind since it's been so long since my last C note. Well, since I know you all depend on me so much to fulfill your need for ass humor and the brighter side of cancer, here you go. In all seriousness, my lack of rectal reporting was nothing more than being very busy at work and thoroughly enjoying a beautiful summer. So if you were desperately trying to fill that empty space in your life with family, booze, or work, fear not. I'm back and ready to fill it to the brim with my colon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just yeah. the, um, the, the, the humor, the perspective, the, you know, we're going to get into it, but... Um, can't laugh at cancer. What can you laugh at? Right? It's, you know, it's. Have you always been a funny guy? Have you always been a, um, have you, have you always been kind of a nonconformist? Because before we, we started here today, we literally yeah. just met like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. And as we're setting up here, uh, overlooking the Statue of Liberty, this is beautiful in uh, his office space. Um, we're talking and you said, you would say what you said about you looked up the podcast. It said ten thousand no's, and you yeah, said ten thousand no's. And I said it was it was it's it's kind of interesting because my my story isn't so much about you know hearing no's to me. It's it's about me telling people no. I just don't deal with that. Like telling and, doctors and no. doctors and just kind of you know to 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 put this all in a, kind of a quick context, right? Um, what I do for a living and with source media and all that stuff is not, I don't even know if the cancer makes me interesting, but according to my, my friend, when I first got diagnosed, he said, thank God you now have something that makes you fucking interesting. <laughs> and uh, um, so publishing and all that other nonsense that I don't do is uh, probably not that interesting. But in October 2013, I went in for a physical out of the blue and, you know, I was having some stomach cramps and. They did a colon, uh, colonoscopy that seemed like it was clear. It was a little, a little issue. They said, oh, we're going to do a scan. Doesn't look like it's going to be a big deal. And then come back and we'll talk about, you know, what we're going to do with this little issue. And I, uh, I came back. This is October 2013. And to meet with this doctor who's a regular internist. And uh, I walked in and his, he had me come in at like 6 o'clock after the office was closed. And I was like, well, it's kind of 
kind of fucked weird, up. That's yeah. weird, you know. Uh, uh, and I walked in with my wife, and I made a joke in the uh, in the parking lot walking in that we kind of sort of laugh about now. And I said, how fucked up would it be if today is the last day that I could ever say, I don't have cancer? And she's like, oh, that's awful. Don't say something like that. And I walked in, and his receptionist was all weepy and not making eye contact. And I walked in, and I sat down with his doctor, and I said, you know, what, what's the deal? And he's like, um, you have very advanced colon cancer. And I said, well, well I what does that mean? I feel okay. I got some, you know, issues. I'm having night sweats and dizzy and nonsense. But what, what do you mean about that? You know, cancer is kind of, that's like a surreal thing. Other people get cancer. That's crazy, you know? And uh, the conversation kind of deteriorated quickly because I said, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand what advanced means. It's like, you know, you, you know, basic, like, Stage one seems okay. Stage four, everybody dies. Yeah. And I said, well, is this stage four? He's always, yeah, you are way into stage four. How long? This is in 2013. This is October 2013. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, you know, you have colon cancer, but it's on your colon. It's on your liver. It's on your abdominal wall. It's all over the place. And I said, well, well, shit, I'm 42 years old. Again, this, this can't be right. You clearly were smoking crack today. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh and I said, well, what does this mean for me? Like, what, what do I do tomorrow? Right? That's like, you know, this is, you know, you're kind of dizzy now and you're right. trying to get your head around it. I can't even look at my wife. I don't even know what to do. Start thinking about your kids and all this shit. And I go, what do I do tomorrow? And he looks at me and goes, you're going to want to get your affairs in order. Right? So if you kind of think about shit you never want to hear. Yeah. That's Getting your affairs in order, probably pretty fucking high on that list, right? And <laughs> so we actually walked out and had to go pick up a, a friend. And, you know, it, it still doesn't sink in. And it takes a while for this to kind of sink in on that. And he's like, oh, we scheduled you to meet with an oncologist and a surgeon tomorrow as part of this, this regular group practice out in Westchester. So you go home tonight and you drink a couple bottles of wine and clearly we'll go see some specialists and that probably weren't smoking crack that day. And they'll explain that this, this guy can't, be, wrong. Yeah. can't be what it seems like. There's no cancer in my family. It's like one of my biggest fears, but it was one of those fears that was great because it was like an irrational fear. Right. Like, you know, I'm deathly afraid I'm going to get killed by an orca. That's never going to happen. Like, yeah. No cancer in my family. I'm not going to die of cancer. Who dies? That not me. I'll die of a heart attack or something crazy or a cliff, you know. So we go meet the oncologist the next day, and they're all friggin' weepy again, and people are getting chemo, and these chairs all lined up, and it's all incredibly depressing. And I meet this oncologist, and everything he's pulling out has a Sloan Kettering logo on it. And he's reading, like, PowerPoints, like, you know, reading somebody else's work, like, it says here that we should do this and this. And I'm like, well, clearly you fuckers don't know what you're doing. And you're, I'm going to go to the guys that, who, Are on who the, the fuck yeah. wrote that paper? I'm going to go find out who wrote that. Right. So, you know, it actually, Aaron helped get us into Sloan, made some calls. And my wife got on there and a week later and walked in Sloan. And, you and know, then this wacky kind of journey started. You know, because I sure as shit wasn't ready to get my yeah. affairs in order. So that was, I guess, you know, the first of my 10,000 no's. You saying yeah. no that. Yeah. Well, you know, you know it's, what's weird where my mind goes, and it's probably because I'm here, specifically here looking out on the harbor and Statue of Liberty. And we're, you know, where are we on the 27th floor? Um what you're making me think of is, uh, you, so you were in the city for 9-11. Yeah. So, so was I. I was Upper East. Yeah. Uh, my, Deirdre was working Midtown. My brother was yeah. working Midtown. My sister-in-law Midtown, the whole thing. One of the stories that you're making me think of is um, a buddy of mine, one of my college roommates, uh, his cousin was in the towers. And he tells a story of how he was always kind of a nonconformist. And he was, uh, after the first tower was hit, he was in the second tower. And there was an announcement that said, stay where you are, stay where you are. And everybody on his floor was like, we're staying where we are. And he was like, 
saw the papers going by the window. He said, something's fucked up. I don't know, but I'm getting out of here. They're like, no, 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 stay here. It's good. It's good. He goes, and he tried to recruit, you know, four women to come with them in the elevator. They did not come. He got in the elevator. He went down and he heard, I think he heard maybe the, whatever it was, he was going to go outside and things were falling. And he ran back into the building downstairs into the subway, got on the, the last subway out and got oh, out. Yeah. And the, the point of it is what you make me think of is this kind of like, you know, it's not always great to just go with the flow and do what they tell yeah. you. You got to be, you know, if you feel something in your gut that's telling you, you know, I'm not doing it the way they tell me to do it. I'm going to do my instinct tells me this person's not going to help me. I'm going to go this way. It sounds kind of. Yeah. That like like almost that you just did not accept it and 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 therefore, well, you know, yeah. it, it, it's you know, it's four years later. I've had uh, I still get chemo every other week. I've done seventy six rounds of chemo. I've had thirty two oh. rounds of experimental immunotherapy, where I was one of ten people on the globe in this study uh, for about seven months. Done radiation and. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where you take a step back and you go, there's kind of two paths. And I see a lot of this at Sloan. Like, cancer patients are funny, right? Um, They like to talk and like to talk to other people with cancer. But they like to talk to people with cancer that are worse than them, right? It's it's kind of a fucked up hierarchy in there, right? You know, there's like... You know, the freshmen and the JVs and the varsity, and then you get into, like, the grad guys. Like, you know, the pro-level cancers, right? And uh, unfortunately, I'm, like, pro-level cancer. Right. It's fucked up, right? So you get a lot of people who want to talk to you because people go, wow, that's that's awesome. I got cancer, too. And how how bad is yours? Whew, that sounds like it sucks, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then they'll go, wow, I have to get, you know, I was just talking to somebody, uh, this week and they have to get 12 rounds of chemo. And I said, wow, 12 rounds of chemo, it seems like a lot and I'm going to go bald. And I've been on one of the chemos. I was bald for a year. Uh, as a side note, it's the thing about being bald that's, that's terrible. It's not so much you're fucking bald on your head, it's your eyebrows. Right. Eyebrows, you don't really, really appreciate eyebrows till they're gone. Right. It's, but, you know, but people do 12 and they go, well, how many have you had? You know, and I can go, well, chemo, I've had 76 rounds of chemo and I'm still standing here. I've worked through rounds the whole thing. And when you say a round of chemo. Like you for- go in and like I go in every other Tuesday and the way my Tuesdays now work and I've had, you know, I've been in Sloan long enough. I've been there, you know, as long as most of the employees there now. Yeah, like a locker uh, there. Yeah, right. And uh, my name's on my own chemo rack and, you know, but. My day goes in, you get in, you get blood work, you get all this bullshit. And then I sit in the chair. We call it the chair. You're in these big kind of barca lounge of things, a little, like kind of like first, really cool first class seating chairs and they recline and all that stuff. And then they get plugged in. I got a port in my chest and they start plugging in chemicals. And I'll sit there with that plugged into my chest for eight hours. And then at the end of the eight hours, I get this really awesome called an infuser bottle that's full of more chemo and that stays plugged into my check my chest for the next 48 hours so for the next 48 hours i have this infuser bottle which is about the size of like a 16 ounce soda bottle 48 hours are you walking around with that you leave the hospital i take it no no i leave i go home i go to work i uh it's getting a little tough now because it's like you know, pushing 90 in New York. But when I go is I'll wear like a fleece vest and I put the bottle in my pocket and zip it and it's up under my shirt and plugged into my chest. And most people don't notice. Sloan gives you these awesome medical fanny bags that, you know, I'm fairly bold. I'm not bold enough to pull that off without (laughs) doing that yet. So, yeah, so yeah, I wear a fanny bag and I do that. And at the end of the 48, I disconnect myself. So you flush all this shit and you pull this gigantic needle out of your chest and go on with your day. And, Dude, uh, well, so what strikes me with you is like how, you know, you're, you're it, it, it's just interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated with people's mindset and how they, 
approach things and some people enlarge their problems. Uh, you know, I, I, my, myself included, you know, there's times when I, I enlarge the problems or I, or, I, or I diminish the good stuff. And, you know, when I'm in a good head, I'm enlarging yeah. even the smallest victories and I'm diminishing. But, but you're, you're just like, I, I love your, and I'm, and I'm sure, and we can get into it or not, I'm sure that you have as you actually say in this in this blog post, I don't even know where this is. I, I want to yeah. get this fucking thing like published. <laughs> I hope someone is listening to this and yeah. and and is interested enough to hear where your writing is and put it out there because I think this is great for the human race. But what I'm wondering is like you did that attitude like where do you think you got that? Because you didn't just like get it when you were diagnosed with cancer. You must have always been a dude who people are like, yeah, Rob's like, he, he's just like, he sees the bright side of things. He's, you know, he doesn't know. get get caught up in the small stuff. He there, There's always, so, you know, I've had, uh, unfortunately, some stuff that's happened. I was about 13 years old. My older sister died in a fire. My oh. younger brother had had... Uh, down syndrome was born with five holes in his heart. Um, they said he would only leave till 16. He died a couple years ago, but he was, you know, 32 when he died. It was just one of those things where he just decided I'm not going to die. And I think, you know, you, you get to put things in perspective, both good and bad. I think, you know, really shitty stuff that happens, you know, puts it in a scale. So way down at the right side, you may have the shittiest thing that has happened to you with the caveat of throwing in so far. Right. And, you know, up on the left side, you have the best things that happened to you. Hopefully, so far, right? right? The same right. thing. And on that sliding scale, somewhere in the middle is how you live your life, right? And But it does put things in perspective. Yes, my sister dying and all that stuff was shitty and kind of going up with that. And But then meeting my wife and having my children and, you know, watching them grow up is the great part, yeah. you know? And, and... Not to say that you can always be upbeat. I always joke and say I'm a crying on the inside kind of clown. You know, like... I'm a karate man. I'm bruised you know, on the inside. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, cancer is a funny fucker. Like, it, cancer likes to come at you when you're not paying attention and when things are quiet, right? So cancer likes to come in and fuck with your head. And, 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 and cancer is a funny thing because it's not only physically trying to beat you up and you hear about everybody and... I'm not sure I buy into everything's a battle and when people die, they lose their fight with cancer and, yeah. you know, and all that kind of, I don't know. C cancer's just a fucker. It's a waiting game. I always look at it like, you know, it's a staring contest with cancer at this point. I, I really think that medical technology is so close to figuring this fucker out with immunotherapy and all this stuff is you just got to keep staring at it and be not the one who blinks first. Right. But cancer is... It's real sneaky because it's always trying to pull you down, right? It's always trying to fuck with you mentally because once it wins mentally, then physically you just collapse, yeah. right? People don't sleep. They don't eat. They get depressed. They don't get out of bed. Their fucking body deteriorates. Cancer takes over and it wins, yeah. right? And that's that's the end of the game. And your mind is is really funny. So about a month after I first got diagnosed, somebody gave me an article, right? And it was about a woman who... Uh, who had stage four colon cancer. It was in the New York, and it was a very like, sensationalized version because, you know, they do. And it started in the first four or five seconds, you know, everybody loves to use the word terminal. Yeah, cancer, we get it. There's no cure. Eventually, it's terminal. Life is eventually right. terminal. Life but, is terminal. Right? But, you know, but cancer, cancer likes <laughs> to quicken. Cancer's really terminal. Cancer likes to quicken that pace a little bit, you yeah. know. Yeah. But, uh you know, in the first thing, and it said, you know, and they diagnosed her with, you know, 10 months to live, right? And this had been like two years before and she's still living. Yeah. First of all, it's not typically, not all the time, but typically the way doctors talk to you about cancer, right? Like, you know, you got colon cancer. And I remember asking my doctor and Sloan doctors are not the, you know, old Doc Potter, let me give you a hug and, yeah, yeah. you know, we'll hold your hand type of, they're like, mad scientists you know these guys are like savant on the scale and they give it to you fairly exactly. blunt yeah, like you yeah. know and i'd asked him real early on i said well what if i didn't come in and get that colonoscopy and he's like you'd be dead in six months and i went right, right good to know glad i came in glad, all yeah, right let's yeah. let's move on with that you know and 
There's it, something refreshing about them being just upfront. Like, they are, don't right? bullshit me. Just but, tell me this you know, is. What... And again, and the whole point about and you get thrown. And I asked him the same question I asked that doctor. I said, "What do I do now?" And he just looked at me. He goes, "What do you mean? What do you do? You go to work and you live your life." Yeah. I. He's like, "My job is to figure out cancer. Your job is to live your life." And I've taken that really to heart since the beginning. And I realized it when I was reading that article someone gave me, and it was all this sensationalized, like, oh, and 10 months to live and all this. And literally while I was reading the first paragraph, I got so dizzy, I had to like go down on my knee because I thought I was gonna faint. And it wasn't until like the next day I went, holy shit, that was all in my mind. Like I, right. I, I got dizzy because my mind was shutting the fuck down and just going, all right, right. that's too much. You got to lay the fuck down and take a nap or something because I'm just going to make you faint because you can't read this anymore. So you take a step back and you go, holy shit, my mind is pretty fucking powerful. Totally. Right? Yes. One, I learned I don't read about cancer. I don't jump online. I don't read all that shit. I don't get on the boards. People reach out to me. I was, like I said, mentioned before in this, this really kind of groundbreaking trial, you know, like drugs that only had numbers on them and all this crazy shit. And I did connect with people and I still do with that and talk to people in there. I don't go out and read everything about cancer. Cancer's different. Yeah. It's going to make you fucking crazy. It's like diagnosing yourself on WebMD. Right? Yeah. yeah. Find a good fucking doctor. Listen to a good doctor. Their job, you know, pretty fucking sure my five years of English degree from Montclair State <laughs> isn't qualifying me to like, you know, diagnose advanced yeah. cancer. Right? Yeah. I don't even remember that class. So apparently I haven't don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I'm not going to try to educate myself on that part of it, right? Yeah. Now, I'm super good at talking to people on, you know, keeping your mind right. Well, that's where I am fascinated by, you know, I, th I think that's why, I, you know, it was literally like Aaron, Aaron read that paragraph and I just go, this dude's awesome. I want to talk to him. I mean, really. And yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm on the East Coast. I'd, I'd rather do it face to face because I don't know him. It's going to be weird if we do it remotely. You could do that with someone you know, but and I'm sure you could do it with someone you don't know. But I'm like, I just want to yeah. sit down with this dude. And it, and it is it is truly just it. That's kind of the point, really, of this whole podcast is is like, how do we you know, we all because you start talking to people anybody. I mean, literally we could go pick anybody yeah. on the street right now. And if you start asking people about their past, there's some shit in there. Everybody's got their, you know what I mean? Everybody there. that's, yeah. A, yeah, it's like my mom. I feel like a, anybody who listens to this will be like, okay, we get it. Your mom said everyone's got their cross to bear, but I, I agree. It's like somebody, it, you look at someone, you're like, oh, that that person's got it made in the shade. They don't. Do it. But it's like, you know what? You go back. There's something. And I'm sorry about your sister. I'm sorry about your brother. Oh, it's yeah. crazy. But but it's in, in a way. Everybody's got their bag of rocks. They got exactly. all around with them. Exactly. You know? And it, it's funny the cross the pair thing. So my, my family's thing was, and, and you'll hear, and I've heard it a lot of people. And you know, there's a lot of oh, woe is me and why me and I wish this could be different and you know and. and our, our family always kind of grew up with the motto. My grandfather used to say, you can wish in one hand and shit in the other. See which one gets filled first. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of a get your shit together and push forward. And yeah. like you decide you can't wish for shit. You decide you do it. how things are going to go. And you know what? Yeah. Fucking cancer is a heavy bag of rocks you carry. Right. Yeah. Some days it's heavier. Some days it's not. Sometimes, yeah. you know. You, you go through phases. I've gone through phases where the drugs I was on stopped working, right? That's it, right? So you go, well, fuck, that, that's kind of game over, right? And then my doctor went, hey, I got this crazy new immunotherapy concoction. It's never worked on colon cancer, but we're going to give it to you. And I got to stick in the hospital for three days because it might kill you. Right. But we already right. know cancer is going to kill you anyway, so, so let's give that a, a chance. Go. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, and so there's always that out there, you right. know. But again, you you be that person that's so, like, being the cancer pro instead of the JV or the varsity. Yeah. It kind of sucks is because the people I talk to typically are, like, worse than colon cancer. And, you know, on that colorectal is, like, you know, stage four pancreatic. And that's, that's a – but – 
there's not a long endurance for some of that stuff. So right. that doesn't really help either because that's just, you know, those are depressing conversations. We, you, know? you know what it reminds me? This is, this is going to, uh, okay, you got to forgive me because this will sound like such a shitty comparison. And it's not, I'm not trying to compare it. It's, as you talk, I feel like your view of it, and, and maybe people listening, maybe there's someone out there with cancer that's listening and going like, huh, I'm going to adopt that point of view, which is, it, it's almost like you've seen it as just a metaphor for life, because it sounds like all the stuff you're talking about doesn't sound different from stuff that I or anyone else is dealing with, except that the stakes are so high and it's intense and the pain. And I think the pain, I probably can't imagine the physical pain. And, and, you know, I I have a a friend who passed away who had Ewing sarcoma, which is this rare form that I think usually uh, is found in children, but he had it when he was adult. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I remember talking to him about the radiation and stuff and he just, you you know, there was a point. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, um, Actually, he, you know, he told me, he said uh, he, he was a proponent of medical marijuana. He said that was the only thing that actually yeah. relieved him. And he said they gave him other synthetic drugs and it didn't. The synthetics don't work. Yeah, um, that's what he and said. medical marijuana yeah. is still, still a, a weird thing. Yeah. Like Sloan doesn't prescribe, can't prescribe medical marijuana. All, there's still weird New York laws. Got to go there. to L.A. for that. And it was funny. I asked, it was early on and I had asked, uh, I had heard people talking about it in the waiting room and all this. And uh, and it's funny. You can I've seen people countless times smoking a joint in front of the in front of Sloan. Yeah. You ever want to smoke a joint in Manhattan and not get arrested? Go, to- go stand in front of a cancer center and smoke a joint. There's not a cop in New York who's going to bust your ass for that. Right. 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 And but and I had asked the nurse <laughs> and I said, you know, do you guys have do you, do you prescribe, you know, marijuana or any and dad she's like ah we have the synthetic she's like they don't work and i looked at her and i go well where, where do all these people get all their pot from and she's like same place you get your pot from in new york if you don't have mar- if you don't have cancer right? right you know she's like yeah and it kind of made sense and you know it, it's funny like the 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 pain and kind of the uncomfortable you the human mind and the human body is, is, is awesome you can get used to anything like, you'd be surprised what you can get used to, right? Yeah. Like, what becomes your new normal? Right. It's kind of a, a running joke with, with some of the nurses at Sloan is, I have no idea what normal feels like anymore. I've been on chemo, essentially, you know, constantly for four years, right? And had, you know, the immunotherapy, actually, what immunotherapy does is teaches your body to kill cancer, but while it does that, it's if you think of when you get uh, like a cold or an infection and your body attacks it and it swells and gets all sore and red and all that. Yeah. Well, that's what chemo, that's what immunotherapy does to your tumors is it actually makes them swell. And I said this, that trial, actually, they gave a high dose to somebody over in Europe and it killed them because their tumor swelled so much that right. it closed their esophagus and they, they died. But. So I was like, please, no, let's lower it. Let's no, go that, a little lower. That would be bad, that dose. Let's lower it <laughs> yeah. a little bit. But uh, but that's a fairly unpleasant experience, right? But you get used to it. And I would got to the point where I'd go in, get treatment, and that immunotherapy was weekly. So I did that for 32 weeks. And I'd go in to Sloan, get there 7, 8 in the morning, get blood work, get my treatment. And I'd be down here downtown in my office by 11 or 12 that right. day. Now, you know, do you feel great? Do I feel great when I'm in? Plugged into the infuser bottle now, but right. you know, I go skiing. I mean, you look I amazing. Drink. To look at you, like I, you know, I, it's, it's kind of crazy. It, like yeah. uh, to me, when I was sitting out there and I didn't know yeah. what you looked like, and you came by, and I was like, oh, that's right. Like I didn't, I didn't know what you just yeah. like you're, and even you're just your whole spirit. I guess is just you're so full of life, which is, which makes me think of like you know we had this. Uh, a month or two ago, we had a night out that was a mellow night out and we got into an Uber, not an Uber, but a Lyft or whatever. We, um, we were in the back. We, you know, put our seatbelts on luckily and our driver made a terrible decision to dart out across two lanes of traffic and we got hit. And 
Deirdre, like, you know, hairline fractures in the ribs. I, oh. My back got tweaked, the whole, the whole thing. But we got lucky. You know, when you look at it, it's like yeah. if there were an eight-inch difference, yeah, it's, that would be yeah. literally it. And, and walked away relatively unscathed. But that, that feeling of seeing those cars coming at us and yeah. going like, holy shit, there's nowhere to go. We can't do it. You're just like, okay. Boom. And to think like we were just, you know, we were literally just with our friends, like dancing, like our wedding song came yeah. on, we we're dancing. And then it was like two seconds later that, so, so my thought, and I also have a, a buddy who's a New York city firefighter who, you know, survived nine 11, but then he's also a triathlete and he was riding up, uh, Matt Long is his name. I don't know if you know his story, but he, he, we, um, he was riding up third Avenue on his bike during the transit strike. And a city bus that was chartered to, to like the guy had never driven in the city yeah. went across third Avenue and literally like pinned him yeah. under the thing. And, and it was like that. And he describes it. And it's a long harrowing story of how he came back. And, and, yeah. and it was the same thing of this mindset and overcoming, but it's like, I wonder, you know, listening to you talk, it's almost like you have, you're living much more than a lot of people that are probably running around a lot healthier than you are that aren't really living because they're not really in the moment and appreciating it where you're, you know, I'm sure you have your moments where you're not in the moment, but you, you seem like you're pretty much yeah. like, let's do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. you know, it, it does. Like, it's, it's like anybody. Like I said, everybody's got their bag of rocks they got to carry around, right? And cancer doesn't make you any better or any worse. Or, right. You know, it's just unfortunate, you know, that. It typically takes something to put things in perspective, right? So, right. At, you know, with my kids, do you know, and they're like, hey, we should go to Ride Playland today. Let's just get I'm like, yeah, we should fucking do that. That's a great idea. Like, hey, can I put the trampoline under the, I don't know, let's try it. Like, yeah. you know, it's kind of a, a lot of things that maybe you'd say no or let me think about. You're just like, fuck it, you know? Yeah. Like, why? Why do I have to Why put that? restrictions why? on yourself? Why? why, why, why? You know, and it's it's just kind of like, you know, we were laughing on Saturday night. We went to this big party at the Shore Club and white party and all this stuff. And they had these big swans floating in the pool. And, oh, I, and think, I was I, like, you know, not only could be the guy that dives in the pool at the end of the party, <laughs> but I'm the fucking guy that floats around in the swan. Everybody wanted to be the one floating around in the swan. Yeah. I was... Why not be that guy? You know, yeah, yeah. want to do that? I'm going to do it. Now it's not hurting anybody. I'm not saying run around and rob banks and you know, right, right. You know, no, they, it's, it's you know, true. It's, it's like it, that that happened. Um, with, actually, recently we were in Long Beach and um, Aaron was there. And Deirdre and I went back and we saw her and she was uh, she was there and she was like, oh look, this is the guy from No Doubt. Is the Adrian yeah. the drummer from No Doubt? Which I don't really know the music. He's a nice guy. I talked to him. And another guy from Long Beach that we turned out to have mutual friends and Deirdre knew him from growing up. And then he goes, oh, we're going up to play. We're going to play. He played guitar and sang and his buddy yeah. was going to get up and drum. So they got up and they did a song. And as I, I like am a total hack musician. You know, I play a little piano, a yeah. little, little guitar, and I, I've been known to get up on the mic. So I'm watching them. You know, I wouldn't do it when there's a band playing. I'm not going to be yeah. like, oh, can I get up? Because it's annoying. But then I saw them get up and I was like, Literally, like, I just want to get up there. And I said to Erin, I go, oh, I'd love to get up there. And then she goes, hold on. And when they're done, she goes up and she's like, and my brother. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, because you're like, yeah. feel like an asshole. But I totally wanted to get up yeah. there. And then I got up and I was like, I don't care if I suck. I want to do it. Sometimes and and sometimes when you just want to do it, it's like, just do it. Don't worry about it. Someone's going to be, you know, snickering in the back of the bar or whatever. You know, you know, I was, I was, you know, I, I try to think and I go, you know, tomorrow morning, am I going to go? I wish I did that. Well, just do it. A lot of this stuff is just real easy. And this isn't a, you know, I don't want to make this all put your life in perspective and what's important in everyday life. You know, it, it's not like that because there's reality. You know, yeah. we all have to get up and not independently wealthy where I don't have to get up and go to fucking work every day and right. do all that stuff. But there's a lot of little things people can do that, you know, you just kind of make yourself a little better, you know, and it, we all have the. I notice I, it with the kids. Yeah. I, I notice my I, I've caught myself where 
the default is no, no, buddy, we can't yeah. do it. We got to yeah. no, we got to put that away. You got to, you got to yeah. clean that up. And it's like, you hear yourself and you're like, what, why are you, you, yeah. you know, yes, there do need to be boundaries. There do need to be rules. But there are a lot of times when I go like, did I really think it through? Did I, and, and my default? No, just because, just because it's easier on me to say no. And right. a lot of times that's what it's yeah. out of convenience or out of laziness. You're just like, nah, nah. and it's, and it's, kind of shitty. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll continue to do it, I'm sure. But it's like to be to be aware of it now is is yeah. good. But and, and it, it's hard, like, you know, and even, you know, the, the the cancer thing makes it hard. And I seem incredibly upbeat and all that all the time. And I try to do that. It, it, it's easier to do that when people are around. Yeah. And that that's kind of one of the, the funny things about cancer is cancer likes to come and talk to you when you're all alone at three o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. And that's when. You know, you, you lay there and you think about, all right, what happens when this new concoction of drugs that is keeping things sort of in check stops working? Are they going to, you know, are they going to find the next big thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I always laugh at my doctor. It's like, Jesus Christ, I'm not asking you to cure kids. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> do it already, you know? Like, this is getting old. Come on, you know? But, you know, it's it's not to say that, you know, everybody has their demons that come yeah. in the middle of the night and come when the times are quiet and talks to you and you yeah. sit up all night and you have the panic attack and the elephant sits on your chest and it kind of closes in. Yeah. Everybody's I mean, got that. And yeah. And, and that's what I was. You don't need cancer to have that. Right. I mean, point. I feel I can I can relate to that because I would think in general, um, you know, I think Aaron always says, oh, your match just always happy. He's always good. He's always, he's, he's you know, he's yeah. fun. He's blah, blah, And I'm like, really? I'm like, I got a lot of, you know, there's a lot of times when I'm in that mode of like, you know, it's late at night. There's panic. It's like, what, you know, where is my career? Where yeah. is my, what am I doing? Where am I, yep. you know, everything, you know, it just, it can, it can come hit you like a ton of bricks. And, and, um, it, it just, it, I, it's inspiring to talk to you. I don't, I don't mean to, you know, but it is, it's yeah, inspiring to talk to you because you're just like, your, your attitude is, is so great. And I think everybody could kind of adopt that. I'd like to think I have a little bit of that, but mm -hmm. I've never, I don't think I've been put to the test that you are. So I don't know what, how Everybody I has would. their stuff though. That's it. And I have people that I said, listen, you don't need, you know, Stage four cancer, dude, everybody's got somewhere on that scale, right? Yeah. And if you think you're at the worst end of your scale, that's just as worse. That feels the same as the worst end of my scale. Exactly. And and so it's 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 never a comparison of like, oh, my tragedy beats your tragedy. Like, well, that's you know, what's interesting and, when you talk about you those. You never look at it that way. You know, everybody's got their their, their specific journey. And that it seems catastrophic at the time. Yeah. You know, like in the back of my head, here, people, anybody walking in the Sloan, Anybody hears the word cancer shuts them the fuck down. Right. It is a, like a it's a word that's like getting hit in the face with a sledgehammer. And it doesn't matter if it's stage one, stage zero, stage four. It's catastrophic to that life. Right yeah. now, you can maybe look at it and go, oh, geez, I could be worse. Right. Like, you know, you can and I say I could look at it and go, OK, I could have something worse. There's way worse. You know, yeah. way worse things to have than, you know, stage four colon cancer. I don't love it, but, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's okay if I, you know, had something else to pick that would make me interesting. You know, <laughs> maybe I'd try close-up magic or something fucking like that instead of cancer. But, you know, <laughs> if you're going to be interesting, that could be more fun. But, you know, uh, you know, you, you just kind of got to go, all right, well, I got it. You learn how to, you know, use some coping skills. You know, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. You, you do yeah. a, little, a little dose of that because it's real easy to let whatever that, that bag of snakes is that you're carrying around kind of define you or define your life, right. right? It's part of your life, right? Cancer is a part of my life. It's not my life. My kids are my life and my family's my life and my wife and I have a fucking awesome life, yeah. you know? That's one of the other reasons I just go, now nah, I'm not going to accept this. Yeah. You know, and it's not that I'm denying I have cancer. I trust me, I know every day that I have because right. there's tons of shit that goes with it as it likes to remind you constantly and it's interesting you know. the way you the way you're talking about it cuz I always I always so I I teach as well and I always tell the students I'm like you're 
like when you talked about like don't be the one to blink because I feel like in in my profession there are there are this many people going for this many jobs right. so there are times when it's scary oh, yeah. you just don't know when you're going to work yep. again and you know after a certain amount of time doing this you think well I will work again I, but I don't know when and there are times you, you know you go Yikes. You, you know, and I, I always say it's it's willful denial. You can either call it delusional <laughs> yeah, or willful right? denial. And I just say it's it's willful denial. I yeah. know what the reality is. And at certain points, that reality is scary when you, you're yeah. just like staring down, you know, no work. And you go, but you literally just compartmentalize and go like, nope. I'm, I'm, yeah. that is not, that does well, not and, exist. And, you know, and I'll tell you how, how that stuff gets overwhelming. So, um, two nights ago when we first started talking after that, I went home and I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning because like I said, I don't, I don't read about cancer. I try not to, to focus on it and think about it. And it likes to be in the sneaky fucker. It likes to come right. in the middle of the night. Right. And right. that's when it kind of gets you. So it's middle of the night and you almost got a text in the middle of the night that said, nah, I can't do that. I got big meetings or some other bullshit excuse because thinking about doing this then makes me think about cancer. Cancer makes me think about the treatment I'm in and where I am in that road. Like I've had, you know, there, there, you know, that toolbox, it's sort of empty, right? Like right. For, for me now, right? On things they could throw at me, right. right? Everything that I'm left with now is like experimental, right? That's right. kind of sort of where I am. Right. So you start thinking about that and you go, oh, fuck. Then I think about, well, then I'm going to die. And then you start thinking about, well, shit. Um, what about my kids? I'm never going to see my am I gonna see my kids go to college. Am I going to see my kids get married? Am I ever going to see your grandkids? Yeah. Like there, there was a there was a year which is fucked up. This is how this kind of runs with this stuff where I wouldn't buy anything like new, like I wouldn't buy a new pair of sunglasses because I didn't want to spend $200 on a new pair of sunglasses. I still rent, and I've skied since I was in second grade. Every year now, I still rent all this ski gear, boots, everything, because I won't go out and buy it because I don't want it sitting in my basement and have my family looking at it as brand new ski gear I never got to use or used once, you know, one season. You know, so it's a weird type of thing. That's why I said it's 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 part denial, it's part kind of yeah. boxing it up. Some of it is just all good old Irish, swallow it down and fucking yeah, plow, yeah, yeah. plow ahead. But it's, you know, you be positive, but, you know, I don't want to make it sound like, hey, you know, no, this is you, all, I am Superman and I got all this shit down. No. It's, well, you uh, talk about that in this, in this, what, what are these, by the way? Are they like emails you know, to a so list funny, so or is it like a blog? A note just because I was fucking lazy when I first got diagnosed and I didn't want to have everybody asking the same. Well, I didn't want to have the same fucking conversation. Yeah. A hundred times in a row. Right. Because quite frankly, I didn't think I could handle it. Yeah. Right. I thought that would be breaking to me just to have to explain it over and over. Now I've done it, you know, thousands of times. It barely but in the beginning, and people say a lot of fucked up stuff in the beginning, you know, yeah. not even thinking. Yeah. I mean, I had countless people when you first get diagnosed, everybody for some reason. And if, if anybody's listening to this who has a friend who gets diagnosed with cancer, saying how long did they give you is not an appropriate question to ask. But you would be surprised how many people fire that right off and go, wow, how long did they give you? As soon as they hear stage four. And I go, well, I haven't really let them give me anything <laughs> yet. You know, I, I don't, yeah. you know, it's not yeah. really how it works. So, you know, it, it, it's, um, so I started writing the C note as, as just a way that I could communicate with everybody well, kind of quickly, it, just my friends and close family. And it started and it was like, you know, there was maybe 20 people on the list. And I think last time I've looked at it and I've been kind of remiss in sending out, I haven't sent one out in like two months now, but. They used to be weekly and then went monthly. And then as things become kind of repetitious, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I don't have anything yeah. new or catastrophic. So, you know, I know everybody out there loves me, but listen to me drone on about my fucking colon. Yeah. You know, let's talk about, you know, 
well, that's, venereal warts and all other kind of it's crazy like no one wants to hear that shit all day long yeah, yeah. you know you know every once in a while but i think there out. should be this is this is my thought and this is kind of like the i, I almost feel like the sideline of what i'm realizing this this thing could be is that you know right now i'm sure five people will hear this if that we'll be lucky if five people hear it but eventually i think we're we're gonna have an audience and what i would love is for like this should be out there. So like maybe there is some publisher listening and it goes and, and they, they or you've already gone down this road. I don't know. But they, they, that it's in a book or it's in a something. I, I don't know. Someone smarter than me. And just is it on out. a blog? Yeah, I think you should do like a, a, that's that's the problem is and I'm in publishing and I'm and I know better. You should. Can I, I'll give you my my like. If you want it, like I'm someone to give you an order, build the way dude, just fucking go, just fucking go, but get some dude that you don't have to do anything yeah. logistic. I mean, because honestly, the, the, this, this whole podcast, I've had this idea for so long. Then I was like serious about it for a long time. And if you go listen to the first one, which I just posted yesterday. So it's, this is brand spanking new. Like there's, there's an 18 minute solo riff that I didn't even know I was going to do the day I did it. I, it was Fourth of July, a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Deer during the kids were on the East Coast. I woke up, and it was like my microphone was just like, called just like Matt, get over here. And I've been so scared to do it because I was like, the, you know, my brother was was uh, he was like, what are you scared about? And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, you two people talk shit about you, whatever. You put it out yeah. there. It's my own thing. He's like. You you make out with dudes on TV. You've done like you've been naked on stage. Like you've done yeah. you've done crazy. You know you've done all this stuff. You're not afraid. And I'm like, yeah, but that's that's under the guise of of something else. This is my own. And I think there's something for people listening is is you know if you have something that you want to get out there, just fucking do it. It's like jumping on the swan. Who gives yeah. a shit? Jump on the swan or put this out there. The fact that you even put this down however many years ago in an email and then you don't know what that's going to do. Now, three years later, it's, your yeah. friend reads it to her brother-in-law. Her brother-in-law happens to have this podcast and he goes, I want to talk. And then here it is. And that's how things that's how things go. That's how yeah. thing. you know, it seems like going back to your thing of just do it. It's kind of like that's what I, I keep my buddy who, who's who been encouraging me and kind of mentoring me with this whole podcast. He's got one and that, that does well. He's like, just fucking do it already. He's like, I'm going to put yeah. you in an arm bar if you keep it. Because I was right. like, well, maybe I'll do the interviews you know, and I won't release the, them. Yeah. And he's like, what are you? Fucking oh, you know, this goes out. Now it goes. I mean, it's still small. It's like maybe 300 people. But I know that there was there was a uh, an oncologist at Yale that was giving it to their patients there's a shitload of people at Sloan now that I've met that are on it. You know, I know that there was a women's. Um, I really believe if someone knew. Cancer House on the Jersey Shore was printing them out and binding them for when people checked in to yeah. give them. Dude, you know, it's, it, it, it here, needs to be. You know? It needs it's to be nice, out there. It, it really does. But it, there's I mean, no way to get the archives unless you were there from the beginning. That right. So. Right. I think you should like somehow have don't do it yourself. Have someone else like. Go back. I, I think, it, I I think it's literally cut and paste and put them on a, yeah. um, put them, get a, get a domain, you know, whatever. I mean, listen to me. Well, I actually I own robcino.com and I have it all. I think it's really and simple. I like I know a, the little that I know with like, I know, you know, just, doing you the web. It it's, it's not, not that. It's I'm the just whole, lazy. I don't think it's lazy. I don't think it's lazy. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, who am I? I don't, you, I don't know oh, you. I, so I've I, set the website up a bunch of times and I have to go back and paste them all in. My guess, yeah. but Part my is going back and reading some of the old ones. That's, what, it, like, my, that's what I'm saying. My guess, if, yeah. I, if I look it through my own experience with this, is there is something that you really want to do, you really want to get it out, but there's something about it. It's scary. You're like putting yourself out there yeah. and you've already done the hard part in a way that you've you've written this and you've put it out to friends and then other people you don't even know are reading it. Now it's almost like this seems from the outside like a no-brainer. Just go cut and paste. Don't even just well, get someone to do it. Well, make that my August project. Yeah, and get just like put, up and and put it out there. And then yeah. like, and, it, and it's not even, I'm saying from a, um, it's not even for you. It's, I think, as an outsider, 
if that that there are so many people that could benefit from hearing this. Just the, I mean, like, let, let me just read this because this is right after that first paragraph that I read at the beginning. He says, so I just had my 45th round of chemo this week and things continue to chug right along where we left off. Yep, that's right, 45. I think when I get to 50, I get a st- set of steak knives. I mean, right. it's, like, yeah. it's just like the, you know, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. When Rock. I got I mean, to 100 at Sloan, I was hoping for ass-shaped balloons. And <laughs> just as a record, you just yeah, for the you, record, you don't get those either. Just, just you know? the way you, you know, it's, it's um, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's, healthy. I think you're not like you're, you're not clearly not in denial about what it is. And yet you are able to, to move on. I I feel like, you know, I, I, I hear your story and I, and I think like, you know, it just shine, it shines a light. It, It will shine a light on everyone else to go, huh? Well, he did it. It's just like athletes when they see, you know, someone breaks a four minute mile, then, then they break the four minute mile. It's just saying, going, oh, that's what human possibility. Look at this mindset and what it can do for someone. Well, you know, and it, it's interesting. I've had a lot of folks at Sloan who have read this go, oh, this made me feel so much better. I get, I get what you're saying. I've okay, or that's what it's going to be like. Okay, now it gets, but it, it it's different. Like I've listened to uh, the nurses at Sloan give people the spiel on their first treatment, you know, and it's very standard. And until you've been through it, you know, they're telling you what what can happen, right? right. And in the beginning, I shut all that down. I'm, I'm the much more hand solo approach, like never tell me the odds type of, yeah, yeah. don't give me the odds, don't tell me the fucking, so I can give you all the side effects, I'm going to give myself all the fucking side effects. Don't tell me, yeah. you know, if it's going to make me stop breathing, which one of the side effects on one of my drugs actually did, and I didn't pay attention, and I learned that the hard way. Um, you should pay attention, and that's to some of that stuff. But you know, it's it, it's sharing some of these experiences for people that are just kind of starting, you know, yeah, or yeah. you know, or a lot of it is also about their spouses or their you know other members of their family. You know, right. cancer's a family disease. Well, that's what, that's what I was yeah, wondering. You know, it gives on so we, many levels. It's well, you awesome. did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, you t- you touched on it with the skis and and um and and you had something in here about you went to the do you mind if I read oh, something? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. It's- you said again it's a big mental game and one I play daily although uh, all this outlier stuff gives me more confidence, my ability to beat this, the dark thoughts still sneak in at weird times. Over July 4th week, we were out at the beach. I stopped at a surf shop to buy the boys some new boogie boards. Anyway, I'm in a great mood, having a great family week. And while guy's ringing up the boards at the register, he turns to me and says, these boards are great. You and your boys are going to have a great time on them for the next 10 years. Bam. Holy shit. WTF. Although a very innocent statement, it crushed me. And, and then, and, yeah. and I can only, you know, that's where, and you go on in there, but, but I, that, that's where, you know, I, I just hearing you when you were talking about the skiing and I think, you know, you think of your kids and all that, that's, I think what all of anyone who's a parent is always thinking. I mean, that's what I thought we didn't tell, by the way, you know, my kids will not be listening to this, but we didn't even tell our kids that accident we were in the hospital. I mean, I passed out twice after yeah. it. We went to the hospital. We were there till two the next day. It was a relatively, you know, it yeah. could have been really bad. Luckily, the kids were on sleepovers and we just told them we had a fender bender because we were able to hide it. We didn't want them to know yeah. that they might have lost us both in like that. And and that's where you know, you think about our, our you think about your kids and that's where you go, you, you, you know. Uh, just as a, like you said, it's a, it's a family. Yeah, it's, it's a, a, you it's, know, and part of it is selfish. And, you, you and your, be there for your family, that. by the way, must be awesome. I don't yeah, know them. My, I'm a get, I'm, you know. My wife is awesome. You know, and, and the other thing about this is, right, I'm able to be this guy because there's a lot of fucking people holding me up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Without that, it's real easy yeah. to just crumble and, you know, and that's really what it's about it's it's that structure around you anything hard yeah right you, totally. you, need, you need some structure around to help hold you up right and that that's a big part of it right yeah. because 
you know, selfishly, yes, you want to be there all that time. And we obviously told my kids, you know, years ago what was going on. And they feed off of How old me. were they when? Uh, so my kids are 14, 9, and 11 now. So that was almost four years ago. So, you know, 10, 7, 5. So yeah. they, you know, and they've watched it. It's, you know, it's not like you can hide a yeah. fucking bottle connected to your chest every other week for two days. Right. You know, but right. kids feed off of your attitude. Yeah. Right. And that's the other part is, is, you know, say it's easy to talk when people are around. It's easy to be strong when people are around. Yeah. So, you know, my, my thought is, and that's kind of a running joke in my family is I like having people around. I like chaos. I like that whole, you know why? Because it just keeps everything going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Quiet times suck. Yeah. You know, yeah. for me anyway, you know, that's a, that's a, that's when, you know, that's when the snakes the demons come out. Come out. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And when it's quiet and dark, that's when the demons come out and, you know, and it's, it's kind of is what it is. I've never been that God, why did God do to me? And God's punishing me and I've had enough. And, you know, it's, uh, my parents, when my sister died and all this other stuff, so you used to always say, you know, and my brother and, you know, God gives you what you can handle, and yeah. fucking apparently he thinks the <laughs> yeah. Whitakers can handle quite a lot. Uh, but you know, yeah, you yeah. know, it'd be nice to be maybe a little bit more of a pussy and not worry about it. But uh, you know, you, you do what you can, and you know, along the way, you know, like I said, I've talked to hundreds of people over the last four years at Sloan that are kind yeah. of going through this at different stages. I've had nurses come in and had me go talk to people. And you need someone in the beginning, right? And I had met two people early on being diagnosed, right? One was a, a very good friend of mine, uh, her sister. And when I first got diagnosed, this is four years ago, she had had really advanced breast cancer for like the last six years. She had pieces of her spine removed. It had moved into her skull, like everywhere over the years. And she was the strongest person I had ever met in my life and I got diagnosed in October I met her in December and we sat down and talked and I walked out going get your shit together you're a pussy like you right that is the strongest person you have ever met in your fucking life that's who you need to be get your you know the fuck up stop being so weepy and that's you know, a get great on with your life and you know and she she was she actually fortunately just passed away this year and but it was 10 years yeah. Where, you know, they'd given her next to no time in the beginning. And she was just one of those persons who was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I don't know. That's not me. You know, I had another friend who had stage four. Uh, he had a liver pump installed. It was like pumping drug. And, I, and actually, he's has uh, he's going on two years now with no sign of disease, you know, like, which is great for him. You know, he's stage four and now. So, you know, there's always somebody's got to blow the bell curve. Somebody's got to be yeah. that one that's the good percentage, right? Yeah. Can't always focus on the shitty percentage. Somebody's got to be that guy. Why not me? Why not Why me? not yeah. jump in the swan? Why not? Why can't I be that guy? Yeah. You know, hopefully, you know, it's the way it'll shake out, you know? Yeah. But until then, I could spend all day worrying about it. That's what three o'clock in the morning's for, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That and, Drinking and diners and yeah. worrying about cancer. That's it. That's really all you should do. It's, so it's awesome, man. I I um I guess I hear people out there. I don't know what yeah. your time situation is. I'm imagining yeah. we gotta we gotta end it, but it's been I mean, I I I've had such a pleasure just talking yeah, to you. I think you're yeah. you're funny, like cool to hang out with. Um and and I hope people who've listened to this are um are kind of, you know, scribbling notes or just making mental notes of I love what you just said about the woman that you were friends with. And you said, stop being a pussy. She, that's the per, she's the strongest person I know. That's what I got to be. Stop weeping. I got to be that person. Yeah. And it's almost like you're, you step into this kind of stronger version of yourself and just Everybody's go, that's what it. I'm doing. There's a line yeah. in front of everybody, right? And it's your decision whether you're going to be the one to step over that line. Just be like, you know what? I'm going to be. I can't just be here and let all this weight sit on me. I'm going to step over that fucking line and stand a little taller and, you know, move forward a little bit differently than I did before. My life has changed. All right. Then I'm going to change along with it. 
you know, and this is my new fucking normal. And that's how you got to roll. That's with. awesome, dude. Uh, yeah. Thank you for being here. Oh, is is there any, before we go, fun. one, I want to remember to get a picture of us because uh, I forget every time. And and two, is there anywhere like, I, I'm sure you don't, it doesn't really apply to you, social media, anything, but maybe something. We, oh, wait, what's, the, okay, that, that's the one because I'm I sure you don't want Rob people C-Note. following you. Okay, so what's I it? I will get that. It's Rob C Note. I will get it up. It'll be robcnote.com. So R O B C N O T E. R O B C N O T E. C-N-O-T-E.com. Robscnote.com. And I'll get these all up on there. We're going to make sure we hold them to it. Uh, right. And, and yeah, and then anybody who's listening. Ask Colin, uh, <laughs> you know, but anybody who, before, knows, yeah. who knows yeah. someone, if you know someone who is diagnosed with cancer, he's going to get this thing up. It's going to be there. And then that's just going to be a resource where people could go and kind of feel less alone about uh, in their battle and 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 then they'll be looking at you going i gotta step up and be that dude be that dude for somebody else everybody's gotta be him yeah thank you all right thank you